Welcome to Maverick Tales. Sit back and listen to the stories told by our friends that we've enjoyed their company on podcasts throughout the last few years. Enjoy. Semi-final, I definitely would have been left out. Nobby came into the team and Nobby got injured. And definitely I wouldn't have played in the semi-final if Nobby had been fit. Or the final, for that matter. And for, strangely funny enough, I, 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 in the final... I had no nerves at all because I thought I'm looking to be playing in this match because I knew if Nobby was where I was going to play so I'm just going to go out and play and I was I was I was okay I played well in, in the final but that, apart from the, the Jerry Shield that was my last match for Manchester but I knew I had to go I mean Matt lost total confidence in me after the Spurs game he never he never said a word to me he didn't say look you're only young and you can come on and that it was just just out <laughs> and that was it so it wasn't uh, it wasn't a happy time at that particular time. Now you did have some happy summers with Nobby because Nobby is your brother was your brother-in-law. He married yeah. your uh, your sister, didn't he? So yes. uh, you know you had great times with Nobby. He was a great oh, yeah. character, wasn't he? And and again, reading your book, you would think that Nobby was a professor, not a footballer. He didn't look like a footballer. In fact, I think he came as a centre half originally for Man United. No, he's now he's now he's, 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 he was he was always a wing half. Or, oh, I was mean, a wing half. Right. Yeah, he, but he had bad eyesight. You know, Nobby was, <laughs> was had 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 uh, uh, the, the things in his eyes when when they were like bottles. You know, they, they, they were, at that times. So Nobby had a great attitude. Yes. You know, he had a great attitude, and he was a he was a really good, good, fine uh, individual. Apart from being a fun, Nobby was a lovely character, yeah. and gave every love Manchester United. He loved Manchester United, and it was strange at the time. I, I was in digs with Nobby, or in his house actually, at the time uh, when this was going on. I mean, there's no doubt Nobby had to play in a match. I think four or five days before the cup final to prove his fitness, and he broke down. But Nobby, I would definitely wouldn't have played in the final at that time if Nobby had had been uh, had been fit. Serbian media. What happened yeah. when your house burnt down? <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> that is. It was funny. That. <laughs> what happened, so? Well, no. Well, I'd I'd uh, had me had me mates come up from Liverpool watch watch a game, <laughs> uh, and what happened on on a. On a Friday, me, I always, it was me shaking back day. What I mean by shaking back day is that I'd go out to training on a Friday, yeah. I'd put some shaking back down, uh, and I'd come home and do all the evening, so my house was clean for the weekend. You know, yeah. it was me, me down. Uh, and it was one of the times we used to have roller locks under the stairs, and it was like papers in there and air sprays, not air sprays, you know, aerosols, like yeah, yeah, yeah. pledge and stuff like that. Yeah. And what happened, obviously, I didn't smoke, but I had some tin waste, tin waste paper bins. And the, a couple of lads come down with some. I said, "If you're going to smoke, go outside and put the the dockers. You used to have dockers then in in the uh, in the tin. It was, a, you know." And I said, "Look, I'm going out. Do do the hoovering for us." <laughs> and a couple of lads from Liverpool come. They're doing the hoovers. Lovely. Come on, they're nice. And but what they went and done? They went and hoovered the uh, cigarette stub up into the hoover. Uh, obviously didn't think anything because they thought it was out yeah. into the hoover. And they obviously uh, they, they don't have. They put the hoover under under the stairs and. Uh, it just uh, after the game, they went home. I went out. Uh, the lads. I, I went out for a meal with my girlfriend. And when I come back, the house had gone complete. I mean, the shell, the shell inside, it just completely, completely, utterly gone. And uh, it was a cigarette stump because the vacuum had a bit of a 
there wasn't it's a air was going it so it it just got going and got the 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 bit of dust inside and it just heated up and then it got going and it, it lit the flames went to the papers in in and then the papers ignited the uh the 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 container the bottles in the container yeah. like this pleasure now and it just exploded and it knocked the door out went up. if i would have been in the house i wouldn't survive but it's a smoke that caused the damage yeah but anyhow so that's it that's that's what happened so anyhow cut long story i'm coming home and i'm, <clears throat> I'm coming to the drive and i can see the police i think jesus christ and, and you know they're very quick if, had a, if i've had a drink like they're in there before i even get home like you know what i mean and then it, i realized and i thought i saw gordon cowan's with his girlfriend on my driveway, and I saw a rubber plant. Nothing, nothing, nothing was sinking in. And I, then I saw the, I saw the, obviously the. Uh, when I said the red lights, the blue light, it was a fire engine. And I thought, what? It was shocked. He couldn't sink. And then, okay. I, then he tore me. And I, I thought, okay, no, not better. Anyhow, I kicked this rubber plant. So it was only time I could trap the rubber plant in my life. Cause I, you know, cause it, so obviously I'm in shock, and I'm thinking, got my girlfriend I went home, and uh, Gordon said he went back, and he said, well, this was on a Easter. We, as as you know, at East End, used to play two games. Yeah. You used to play on Saturday and Easter Monday. We just played Forest on the Saturday. We're European champions. Beat them 2-0. Great result. So we're playing on the Monday at Stoke. Yep. Uh, so I've gone out for something with my girlfriend uh, on, on the night. and uh, But we're training on the Sunday. Uh, obviously, we should, and that night, I couldn't get in. I couldn't sleep in, I couldn't sleep in the car. But in the early in the morning, I had to sort the doors. I had to go and see the damage in the the, the smoke and the yeah, I did, all my clothes. I lost literally everything. I didn't save anything like. And, and obviously, a single bloke at that age, then yeah. the only thing they would say was a couple of cans of lager and a couple of pints of beer in the fridge, like you know. And uh, sorry, a couple of couple of pints of you know of milk and a couple of cans of lager in the fridge, like you know. And uh, I mean, rubber dollar gone and everything that melted a lot gone, like you know what I mean. So I was a bit upset about fucking Gertrude. I, I never found her again, like you know. So uh, so anyhow, so try again. I couldn't get up the stairs, and you can imagine I, I'm messing about trying to save things there's nothing to save anything gone but obviously the soot and everything got on my clothes i was i was like well i was, was in my ear using my fingernails and everything i think because you're in shock so yeah i've gone in for training and saunders obviously didn't know nothing about it but he's seen me coming over and he took one look at me i mean he must have guessed there's a problem he didn't realize what it was and he said don't want to know your problem he said i'm going to tell you this i'm never going to say this name you're playing monday you're training today and you're playing Monday. Now, he's never told me everything before that I was in the side before. Yeah. I said, look, boss, he said, uh, I've lost everything. I had a fire at my house. He said, we don't pay for that, son. We pay to play football. Once your problem sorted out on next week, go in the hostel tonight, uh, youth hostel down there. And Matt said, you're, not, you're, you're the first on my team sheet. for." Uh... And that's what he said to me. He said, we don't pay for that. We paid to play football, mate, and you had to go and uh, play. And I'm glad he did do it that way because yeah. he could have said, well, just forget it, you know what I mean? But uh, he didn't. And uh, the, the funny thing about it was I had no clothes. All my clothes had gone. And I remember my, my girlfriend's father at the time, he, had, he was a big, big waist at the time. He used to have the, like, the fleur trousers and stuff like that. He yeah. Used, he used, probably, probably the same you got with your at the moment, mate, you know what I mean? So nothing changes. <laughs> so I've had to borrow some trousers off and we're a bit short. I had some Oxblood shoes on. I'm still having great, uh, light grey socks. I, I've had to go to a jumble sale on the Monday to try and get on the on the on the Sunday try and get some clothes. And I've and I've got these and the, the waist is too big, my trousers. So I've had to borrow some braces. I've got a shirt that's ridiculous. I've got a big kipper tie and a, a check coat. I look like Charlie Caroni. I really did. And I, I and and I just thought this is ridiculous. This is. 
So I've got on the bus, and all and all the lads are just taking the piss out. There's no sympathy in that. They're just taking the piss, like you know. You're not sitting with us, like you know, you, you know, blah blah. And it was a time that you used to go on the pitch, and you'd always check your own little patch out. You'd always like put your foot down for divots because it's like the, the pitch is not like they were now. You know, you're coming like you know Easter time. The pitch is going to be a bit rough, so you tre- you're checking your. And I can still remember to this day when I was like so, like my hands were in, in the pockets because the trousers were too big. And the, the brace was on. I was trying to like pat me thing. And my braces kept flying off. And I thought, fucking don't believe it. Susan, I don't believe this. Like a little clown me hanging down my bleeding legs and everything. And it's got no sympathy, anything at all. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, But like, well, that was it. Then you just had to get on with it. Like, but I, you know, I just thought we went away to Stoke. And I think I made the goal. I think Alan Evans scored and I made the goal. So uh, I, I've got to be honest with you. That game, I was on fire, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got we got back on the bus and the lads, the lads, the lads just took the piss, like you know what I mean. Took the Mickey, I shouldn't say, took the Mickey, and they were saying like, yeah, we don't smoke, yeah, you got a light, and I think, oh, just shut up with you, like, because there's no sympathy, like, you know, it was just it was an experience, you know. I lost everything, and and, and that was it, you know. You, you get on with it, don't you? Then uh, from losing everything, I got the the best prize I could I could do, so like three or four months later, like you know, but uh, uh, it it was an experience. Like, so where uh, did you live then, Tony? If you, like, you had the I, I lived in Streetly. I, I lived in Streetly. Uh, but I had to go, the, the, the club had a hostel on the Chester Road. Right, OK. And I, and I had to go, I had to go there until until my house sort, got sorted out. So I had to go back into the hostel. And I, I can still remember one time in the hostel, uh, Brian McClure and all them lads, they were all been great players. I was there one day. All of a sudden, it starts hitting me about this. And my house is blah, blah, blah. And uh, they had a cat. And a cat in the hostel, and um, it was on the, the phone, and it was no mobile phones, I remember. And it was, the phone was on the wall, yeah. And the phone went, and uh, Jim, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, Jim Williams, he was said, turned the phone. So I got into the hall, and, and I don't know who phone, somebody from back home phoned up, and I was on there for about five minutes. And when I come back, because all of you see together in this big table, when I come back, the bleeding scabby cat was eating me, eating me dinner, <laughs> wasn't it? And, and nobody was saying anything to it, like, and I thought, it just dummy died. I thought I was going to strangle the cat, like, you know what I mean? So I thought, that, that puts it all in. Yeah, I've lost me house, lost everything else, and even the cat's now eating me bleeding dinner, like, you know what I mean? And uh... SRB Media. And you were that good in the air, the Burnley fans nicknamed you the Kestrel, didn't they? Yes, it, it, well, I only found that out afterwards, after I'd left, the, you know, it was strange. You find out these things. I didn't know that's what they, they call me. But, um, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice little accolade. Um, and it was my pride and joy, really, because I used to enjoy playing against centre-halves who were about six foot six. Yep. Um, because I could always get up there first, and I found that if if you if you if you was the first to challenge for the ball, if they jumped up after you, they almost lifted you up and kept you up there. Um, so it was it was a happy time for me, um, and I, and I just loved playing alongside Frank Casper. And it was sixty thousand. It was a Burnley club record in nineteen seventy one in the March of nineteen seventy one. Now, what was what was your experience and your memories of meeting Bob Lord and talking through the transfer and what your wages were going to be? Because I remember watching a DVD many years ago when you was telling this story and I was rolling about laughing. Well, um, it was quite frightening, really, because 
you were told you were being transferred. So the way that it worked was um, Nat Loftus said, uh, be at the club at two o'clock and yeah. get your dad with you because we're selling you to another club. Yeah. And just to let you know, if you don't go, Bolt Wanderers are going bankrupt. <laughs> so there's no club, no point staying. So you have to go because we need the money from for it, that we're going to get from you. Um, and see you at two o'clock. He didn't say which club it was, but he did say... Yeah. It's a great club. You'll love it. It's a great club. And I remember him saying those words. So we're going over there, we're going through Bake Up, and, and I'm thinking, well, and then, of course, he, on the way there, they say it's Burnley Football Club, and there's a new manager there. The old manager, Harry Potts, is sort of retiring. Jimmy Adamson is the new manager, and, that, and that's who I met. So we're all talking quite quietly in the dressing room. And then who walks in? But this incredible figure of Bob Lloyd, the, the, the club chairman yeah. and he didn't even shake my hand he didn't even say hello or acknowledge my father he walked up to me and he, he literally wagged his finger in front of my face and he said you're on 80 quid a week extra 50 quid if we win if you don't score 20 goals a scene you're on your bike back to Bolton have you anything to say and he was like oh. <laughs> and, and as he said have you anything to say he took his hearing aids out. He had two great big black hearing aids and he put both his hearing aids on my contract <laughs> and he said, <coughs> he said, if anything to say, I can hear bugger all. And that was it. So we all just stood there around the, the boardroom table. So I cheekily wrote my name on the contract without going any further and I thought, you crafty, and I whispered under my breath, you crafty old bugger. But I was obviously pleased, pleased to sign for Burnley. And the next minute, Bob Lloyd, he's whipped my contract up. He wanted to get out. He was on his way somewhere. He put it in his inside jacket pocket. He picked up his old black ivory earring heads. He screwed them back in his ear. He picked up his cigar and he looked at me. He says, welcome to Burnley Football Club. If thou wants to do well, here, lad, take my advice. Score plenty of goals, keep yourself out of bother, and never call the chairman a crafty old bugger again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first schoolboy error there, a little bit like Colo Torre when he passed the ball across his goal line. Yeah. You were saying Brian would have given me the, the marching orders there for that. Big if fella. you'd have been interviewing Cluffy now, you'd have been on your way. <laughs> hey, up it. <laughs> was he that strict? Yeah, he, he, he was strict. He was, yeah. It depended on what mood he cared. I mean, I, I loved him. I, I got on great with him and had some feral tussles with him. He used to make me laugh. I, I couldn't stop laughing at him half the time. Um, but, yeah, it, for me, people talk about... The all-time greats. Um, he certainly, in my time, he was the greatest manager. I think it's greatest British manager I competed against. Anyway, how difficult was he? Because you had quite a few. I wouldn't say set twos, but you must have had one or two shenanigans with Cluffy. Not really. No, I tell you what. When when I was at West yeah. Brom, I got on great with him. Yeah. Then when I went to Manchester United, apart from business, he totally blanked me. Um, uh, wouldn't come and wouldn't come and have a drink afterwards. But that wasn't just me; that was everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something against. He had this thing against the big clubs: Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal. You know, he had this, if you like, a siege mentality. Uh, when I left United, two weeks after I left United, I bumped into him at, at the City Ground, Nottingham. I was doing a game for television, and the first thing he said to me was, "Hey, come on, let's go and have a drink." That was, and one of my mates said, "Well." What about the previous six years? I said, well, that's Cluffy. You know, it wasn't It wasn't me. 
was the very fact it was Manchester United. He he, he had this, if you like, siege mentality against. And he seemed to have that with Leeds United and, and any big type of, of club. Let's talk briefly before we go back to the dairy on uh, Goodison. When you were at Albion, you had, I remember you telling me a while ago, uh, a situation with Cluffy and, and the dugouts. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian had his special dugout, didn't yeah. he? Well, yeah, it rebounded I me mean, years later. But what it was, when you used to play at the city ground, the visiting dugout, the, the, the uh, tunnel was right down the end, right down in one corner where the teams came out. The visitors' dugout was to the left of that. Brian used to have his own dugout right on the halfway line. Subsequently, um, you might as well have been sat on a boat in the Trent watching the match. You know, you're that far away. And I remember commenting one day after after we played them there um, about it. And he, he, well, it was Peter Taylor actually burst out laughing. He said, "Well, you know what that's for, don't you?" A bit later on in the season, we played them back at the Hawthorns, and the Hawthorns then the main stand was being uh, rebuilt. So, and only by the time we played them, only one half of the ground had been built, one half of the stand. And that included the home team um, dugout. So what they did on the other side of the tunnel, where the teams came out, they put a temporary dugout for, for the visitors. There, the match I went in, and I said to the ground, see that dugout, take it and put it right in that far corner amongst all those JCBs and diggers and all sorts. And it was bucketing down with rain. And, you know, fortunately, we beat them 2-1 as well. Um, but as I'm all stood in the dry in, in decent suit and overcoat, and they come tramping up through tyre tracks and all sorts, and I just nodded and went, it's all right down there, isn't it? Then I cleared off. Funnily enough, years later when I did that, when I went to Forest, yeah. I actually, because I'd only ever been to Forest as a visitor, when I walked along, went, the first day I went there with the Arsenal match, when I was manager, when on my first home debut, I was walking along that front there and I saw a dugout and remembering that they'd only had one dugout, jumped in there. Well, I jumped into the Arsenal dugout, hadn't I? But uh, they'd been forced to put two dugouts on the halfway line yeah. as a as a sort of concession to the Premiership rules. So it rebounded on me a little bit there, but caused a few laughs anyway. Incredible. What also was incredible was your goal against Everton uh, at Goodison. Voted goal of the season as well. That must have been, if you could replay one of the games of that season, would I be right in saying it would have been that game? Yeah, not for the goal. Right, okay. For for the the performance of the lads in Everton. Because Everton was always always a hard place to go to. Little ground, passionate supporters on top of you. A great stadium to play in because you can sense the atmosphere. It's like it's like a coliseum. You go in there and the stands are up there, and you, you know, and, and they're on, and you know, they buzz Everton in the first twenty minutes. They come at you, but it's just the crowd demand that, you know. And um, it was just, you know, the, the overall performance we were superb. There's only one performance we put in better than that one. That was that when we beat Liverpool at home, and we convincingly beat Liverpool at home. But that one against Everton, Saunders said, I did, "Have you heard the story? How, 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 what leading up to that? Well, well, I go to it. Let's, let's be honest. One of one of Saunders' magic tricks again. <laughs> um, on the Friday, Saunders always do set pieces and free kicks yep. for and against, yep. mainly against. You know. So what he used to do, he used to have sort of people who weren't playing, squad players in the wall. So the first team lads would uh, practice the free kicks. Yeah." 
and they'd always give a bib to the you know the lads who weren't playing. So he's come up to me and he said, "Yeah, well, what do you want me to do with that?" He said, "You weren't it. You're in the wall. I can take the piss any." So you're in the wall. And the lads are looking at me saying, what's, what's happening? He's in the wall. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And obviously, they were taking the free kicks. I've got no interest then of trying to stop a ball. Like, you know, ball's coming to I'll just let it go. Because I thought, oh, I, just, I couldn't get around my head. I'd probably been, well, I'd been consistent all that season. I missed a game and I'm done well. And then they were walking off. He said, um, you're not playing tomorrow, Anthony. i shocked. Like, why? He said, well, I know you like such a hard game tomorrow at Everton. Like, you know, we need 11 proper pros. Like, you know, we're, they're going to be on. He said, I know what you're going to be like. You're going to be back home with all your friends and your family. There, You're going to be showing off. You'll be doing your little flicks and doing this and that. We can't have that. We need 11 pros. We've got to get a result tomorrow. They're going to be at us and blah, blah, blah. So I think it's better if you just sit on the bench and, you know, we'll, we'll get some. I'm gutted. I'm thinking... And he just walked away, so you're not playing, simple as that. For that reason, because I'd be too flash, I'd be trying to do things. And honestly, and don't forget, it wasn't the time, the time then, you didn't have mobile phones like that. So I was phoning home to people, I said, look, I'll get your tickets, but I'm not playing. So why? I said, I told them, they're not playing. I was absolutely guilty. Goodison's my, Epton's my team. I had loads of family and friends there, and I wanted like to play in front of them at Goodison and all that. It was only natural. Anyhow, so we're going through. I didn't sleep that night. I'm well pissed off. We've gone up to Liverpool and having a meal and had a meal and still hasn't named anything. And, and we've gone to Goodison Park and uh, I'm dejected. I'm at the back of the bus. I'm just, my head's gone. I'm thinking, I can't believe this. Like, you know, the lads know that I'm a bit peed off of the situation. So they're, they're staying away from me, like, you know. Yeah. So we've gone in the dressing room. He's coming as usual. Took his gloves off as usual, wax them down. And he said, oh, I've had a change of mind. He said, uh, I think the young lad, I think it was Pat Heard. I might have been Pat Heard. I can't remember. I don't know. I think, I think the young lad, Pat, because he just come from Everton, I think the young lad, Pat, might be a bit too much from going back. I think, Tony, you're back in the side. Well, my head had gone. And all he'd done, he'd, once again, a massive stroke. He'd wind me up and wind me up. to, And I just want to get out there and just show him what a prat he was. And actually, the first two or three minutes and five minutes, I got the ball. I, listen, it could have, they could have put 20 defenders on me and then nobody's going to get the ball off me then. And I was going to hit it. And the shot, to be fair, it just, as soon as it hit my foot, I'm, of course, I didn't mean to go in that top corner, but I meant to hit the target. You know what I mean? All these people say they aim for the top corner, the pros, the liars. They all, all you just aim for the target, make sure you hit the target, and yeah. you got a chance. And but as soon as it it, it, it left me foot, I, you knew it was it was gonna it was gonna be a good save or it was gonna be a good goal. A bit like a goal shot, you can hit the goal, you know, you hit the sweet spot. And he went in, and then my usual, I gave him two fingers, and you know what I mean, and went mad. Bah. But he'd done his job. He's done his job. He wound me up. It was like a bottle of pop. I was waiting to explode. And the rest of the game, I'm, I'm saying, he ain't going to take me off in front of my family. No way. No way at all. No. So you, you dug in, you dug in. And I think the overall performance was, was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I got goal this season, but I think it was for the move more than anything else, really. Because I don't think the ball left the floor. And then he ended up in the top corner, really. So, uh, you know, very grateful for that, you know. Uh, one of once again one of Saunders' tricks again. He, he got the best out of it. He never said nothing to me on the way home. He never said, "Well done, well played." And he and then he pulled me in his office on a Monday morning. He said, uh, "Anthony." So he oh, again, Anthony. Looking the dreaded Anthony's coming up. Anthony, I, I, I've got to say, I thought the best I've seen you play for one or two games. You know, it wouldn't say for that. He said one or two games. You know, blah. He said, "But uh, I'm afraid I've got to find you under a pound." What are you talking about? He said, "You." What do you do? I just scored a goal. I said, I just said I'm going to score another one. He said, No, 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 no. You're being disrespectful. You, you put your fingers up to me. All right, go out and train and find you £100. But well done. 
I can't believe I got goal this season. If I got fined on the play for it, and I, I realised years later, and I got I got goal of Europe as well in Berlin. I done the same. I got fined on the quid for that, and um, I realised why Son's had that million pound house in in, um, in Solio was all the fines he was getting off me, like you know what I mean. So. Uh, I came jock and uh, I said to him, you've been upstairs, Governor? And he went, no, he said, well, because he's an, uh, I believe he's an ex-alcoholic jock. Yeah, I think, I think so. And, uh, uh, oh, they didn't drink. I said, can we come upstairs? Come on. And so we went, we went back. So I wasn't allowed to go up there twice. It was, you know, we've been told. So uh, we were there, and I, I knew what was, I knew what was going to happen. I was having a lovely ch- chat with Jock. I was in. Oh, well, I mean, uh, I was close to heaven when I'd been on a big Boeing, right up, right up high in the sky. I mean, standing with Jock, seeing, and he reminded me so much of Waddington. It was untrue. It was like I was standing there with a pair of them, and then all of a sudden, I just see this head pop up from the from from the stairs, and. It, and he said, you do realise you've been up here once. And I looked at Jock and he looked at me and he kind of kind of got the message, you know, really, is that, is that what happened? You know? And uh, and I just said, Terry, no, I just, I just needed a moment. It's been that long since I've seen a decent manager. And oh, his face was like, and then and Jock looked at me and he went, I don't think you should have done that. I said, well, what do you, what do you expect me to do, you know? So you know that, and that was just enough. So that was that was kind of uh, the last time I spoke to him before we got the Melbourne, and uh, and the next time was um, when he when he sent the message along that we were going on. And now for our patrons, a bit of bonus content. Probably the most controversial <laughs> FA Cup tie ever. On yeah. the 9th of March, 1974, <laughs> you got drawn at home at St. James's Park, Newcastle United versus Nottingham Forest. You take up the story from there. Yeah, it was, a, uh, I think, quarter-final, uh, Gabby, yeah. So uh, it was a good home tie for us, but uh, I remember it very, very well. There's 60,000 people there. All mad sort of Newcastle fans and Forest were well supported as well. And then the game got off to a, a, a bad start for us. We were two down, then we pulled one back. And then uh, something came over me in the second half because um, the referee gave a penalty against one of our players. He said he'd obstructed McKenzie. Do you remember Duncan McKenzie? Great player. And then, so he's given a penalty. And I've argued and argued and argued that it wasn't, you know, it was just, uh, you know, Duncan McKenzie was playing for it. And I said, you know, uh, that's never a penalty. And he said, uh, I'm giving a penalty. I said, if you give a penalty, you cause a riot. He said, right, I'm sending you off. I'm, I'm sending you off now. I'm not going to go off. I said, like I said, if you send me off, there'll be a, a riot here. But I eventually went off. And uh, Nottingham Forest scored the penalty. And sure as anything, uh, you know, the crowd ran on and it, it got abandoned for a while. So that's my uh, claim to fame on that one, really, getting sent off in front of 60,000. And then at 3-1, they, took, they, they scored the penalty 3-1. Then unbelievably, Newcastle, without, without myself, 10 men, uh, pulled it back and Bob Monker knocked a late winner in to make it 4-3. So, uh, yeah, big memories, really. I shouldn't have probably pushed the referee as much as I was doing, you know, telling him it wasn't a penalty. 
but uh, yeah, it was uh, one of them days. Reminder, you can catch all our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and all major podcast platforms. Yes.